Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Just too good to be true. Can't take my eyes off of you. You be like heaven to touch. I wanna hold Hello everybody and welcome to the 156th episode of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nimhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. Uh, I've got the whole crew here trying to figure out how to pronounce players' names before we go live. Uh, that's, you know, we're professional. We really want, we want to do, do right by these players. And, uh, we've got some, we've added some tough ones this year. There are some challenging names for, uh, I mean, for Evan, they could be Joe Smith and it would be incredibly difficult, but, uh, for the rest of us, there are, there are some challenges this year. Um, Let's bring in the crew. Um, first, uh, Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Dana, it's so good to see you. How are you? I am good. It has been a minute since I have been on the show, but but yeah, it's been really good. And it's Robert Kimdichi. He's out of his mouth. That's how you say it, in case you were curious. Because, yeah. But yes, I've been well. It's been uh, a busy, busy summer. And so... It's nice that we can get back into the rhythm of football again here pretty soon. You've been on like podcast after podcast, like, <laughs> you know, how are, how are you holding up? You, you, is it like a marathon? It is a little bit. Yeah, I did two on Tuesday, one yesterday, one today, all hour long. I had a great time. Um, I went on a Buffalo's Bill, Buffalo Bills podcast that talked about the NFC West. So that was really fun. And and uh, had to explain why Josh Allen is not as good as Russell Wilson. He might be someday, but not right now. That was a fun conversation. But I've um, had a great time with those guys. But yeah, it's been, you can just tell that everyone's kind of gearing up for the season. Like it's time, like it's time to start kind of digging into those rosters and half the people that you don't know on the roster because they won't be there here in a few weeks. But what, but it's, yeah, it's been good. What was what was the Bills podcast? Uh, Do they have any perspective on the Seahawks or were they just talking about the Bills? No, they, no, it, they, yeah. So um, the coach, or, I mean, I'm sorry, the coach, the um, host um, is Jay Spence and he, it's called Code of Conduct is what he does it. He does it for their explanation channel. And, and um, he has a ton of respect for Seattle and their kind of winning culture and how we talked a lot about how the Bills didn't have that for years. That everyone always came in and talked a good game, but they couldn't bring it over and how to, how impressed he is that Seattle has always been able to kind of keep that winning, maybe not a Super Bowl, but that constant winning culture. So we talked about that um, and lots of love for the defense, which was kind of interesting, but you know, they were pretty proud. And that's what he said. They were very proud. They beat Seattle last year. And, um, and so they, they kind of hold that as a badge of honor, even though they did, they clear, you know, clear deep into the playoffs. I mean, that was wonderful, but um, it's just, um, it was just really 
interesting. And, and it was fun to get their perspective. And the funny thing is they wanted an outsider's perspective on the bills. And so it was kind of nice to get that back and forth. But. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> good to know. I, I, I have to say, I'm not sure Josh Allen wasn't better than Russell Wilson last year. Josh Allen was really good last year. And, yeah, he looked great. And Russell Wilson was the best player in football for half the season and then wasn't for half the season. So, um, yeah, if you go from one season, and that's what we talked about one season, he looked fantastic. It's can he continue that? Can he repeat it? Because Russell's done it for 10 years. He would yeah. like that same consistency. So, yeah, it was a great conversation. We had a good time. Russell's never been the uh, MVP runner up, though. <laughs> oh, God, you had to say it. You're such an ass. There is no such thing as an MVP runner-up. There is no, it's it's not a title. You don't put it on a resume. It's not Miss America, where if one cannot continue their duties, and you just said that to drive me crazy. But he did finish <laughs> second place in the voting, though, right? Is yeah, that how second that place is first loser. I'm just saying, right? It's just, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having some votes for Russell at some point. Um, more than zero would be a, a start. Um, I thought we were a cinch for that last year and uh, mm -hmm. did not turn out that way. Uh, that that person trolling someone else on the show, it, it, the voice should be no surprise. It comes from none other than Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11 on Twitter. And Nathan got my memo today. He is he uh, decided to to dress up just like me. Um, I, I thought it was very sweet, and uh, uh, I love you, dude. So it's great. Nice yeah. to see you. When I grow up, I want to be hawk blogger. <laughs> there is nobody that says that, but uh, you know, it, it can be all yours. The title will be vacant, and uh, you, you you're happy to take it over. Like it's like uh, Cable Thanos, like when he just like bequeathed that that handle. He's just like whoever wants it. It's yours. And has anyone seen if anyone's taken that 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 handle? I haven't looked. Mm -mm. I mean, because it's probably worth a little something. Like you could probably tarnish Josh's brand without. Like I, I can't, I'm like a little surprised Evan hasn't taken it because I could think of some oh. epic trolling that could be done by taking Josh's old handle. Nathan, I can see him furiously looking to see if it's available so he can take <laughs> it and start screwing with people. Uh, the last, but certainly not least member of our, our quartet tonight is uh, Jeff Simmons at real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. How is it going North of the border, Jeff? Good, man. Uh, it's nice to have on. I wasn't supposed to be on tonight. So this was a nice uh, last minute thing. I was actually doing some, a lot of research on the Seahawks today. So I was talking to a couple national guys that were at camp and just going back and forth with them. So I got some good tidbits to share tonight. Uh, some people have talked to the front office and there's certain players that we might not have talked about. The team is really excited about. We're seeing sort of the same reports as everyone else. So some of the names will be pretty familiar, but there actually is a lot of positive stuff going on with the Seahawks right now. There's some really interesting players and there's a lot more to me. This roster is much more interesting than it's been in the last couple of years where they've been a little top heavy. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on with this team right now. Interesting. Well, I'm you, you guys, you guys, you guys, 10 bucks. Nathan went to go change his shirt. You know, he did. Oh yeah. <laughs> if there's anyone he doesn't want to look like it's Brian. Yeah. I think that's probably pretty clear. Uh, yeah, I understand. I, I, he, he's not alone in, in having that desire to not look like me, but uh, let's start with this guys uh, and gals. Um, it's been a bit of a story through camp so far that um, day after day, there are there are moments of the defense getting the better of the offense. And usually early on in the camp, that's kind of the way things are in a lot of cases. And you don't think much about it, especially when you had the LOB years and and those kinds of things. <laughs> For those that are listening and not watching, Nathan did just come back with a different shirt because there's certain things you cannot abide. And uh, yeah, not actually why I left, but I had a shirt sitting next to me and I couldn't pass it up. So yeah, well, we we all are disappointed we didn't get to see you change shirts. That would have been that would have been high quality TV. Um. So um, as I was saying, the. The, the defense um, has been making plays against the offense. And uh, again, today, uh, a number of turnovers um, early on, there were some false starts. Uh, we've heard about Quandre Diggs getting a number of picks. We've heard about uh, Kella Witherspoon getting tipped passes. 
Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy today who picked off two passes. He's an unrestricted free agent. I want to say mm-hmm. Ashari Crosswell. Is that is that the right, right. name? Mm-hmm. I think it is. He's, he's from Arizona State. Um, he's a rook, undrafted rookie, uh, you know, actually a guy that I kind of liked heading into camp. Um, and it says in my notes, so I'm not just I'm not just late, late to it. But um, anyway, is there any reason to be concerned or excited about this? Like, how do you feel when you hear that the defense day after day seems to be getting the better of the offense? Um, Dana, let's start with you. Well, I, I kind of look at it like this. You know, I would prefer that be the case, especially because we have a new offensive coordinator. So it makes sense that if they're trying to change things up, they're trying to make things different, if they're trying to make them faster, because that's all we keep hearing, right? Oh, it's fast, it's fast, it's fast. That that would be the side struggling to implement that versus the defense who has the exact same defense. And you know, they would be struggling. That would be very worrisome to me. And after the start they had last year, you know, we don't want to see a repeat of that, but it was such a good ending that they're continuing that. It's very encouraging to me. We have to remember Jamal Adams isn't even on the field yet. I mean, they have um, some players that were out. Bobby was out for two days. And so it's good. I think that these um, we're starting to show maybe a little bit of depth on the defensive side. And I'm not concerned about the offense just because it is a whole, whole new system. The fumbles bother me. I will say that. (laughs) uh, Nathan, let's do a percentage here. Like, like, I don't even know if this even really works. Like how much of out of a hundred percent, like how much uh, are you excited? Like about the implications for the defense versus how much of that are you nervous about the implications for the offense? Like which, which, where do you fall more on that spectrum? Uh, I'm still, I'm just 50, 50 on this, I guess. I'm not really leaning either way right now. That's great content and people are (laughs) going to love hearing that. Um, well, so I I think everything that Dana just said is right. (laughs) I mean, you know, the defense is most of the same, you know, no new change in scheme. Uh, the offense is going through, you know, we have Waldron now, so all that's different. And, And there's also new pieces with guys like Gerald Everett and stuff like that. Um, and I think, you know, there's a thing in basketball where, um, rookies who, uh, like rookie point guards and stuff that, uh, that make a lot of turnovers, that's actually a good sign that correlates well with like future success. And the short answer for why on that is that they're trying things, right. That they're aggressive, they're pushing it, they're thinking, you know, and and trying to do creative things. And I think with Russell, you can make, you can, I mean, who knows? We'll see. But it's very likely that he's out there, new system, and just trying things, right? You've got new toys and new, you know. So I'm not at any point concerned yet. But, you know, if we're here a couple weeks from now and it it's like this or, you know, in the preseason games, they start to look like ass, then, then, we, then you know, it ramps up pretty quick. Yeah, Jeff, I'm going to adjust the question a little bit for you. Feel free to, to backtrack. But at what point would you start to be either excited about what the implications are for the defense or worried about the implications for the offense? Probably after about two preseason games. Um, For me, yeah, I think Nathan and Dana hit this right on the head. Um, One of the things I know a lot of the film people on Twitter talk about this. One of the things Seattle sort of switched what they did schematically defensively in the second half last year. They started playing what's called these bare fronts, which was a different scheme change, also aligned with that bad run of quarterbacks. So it was hard to tell how much progress the defense made, but they sort of changed a big part of their alignments defensively. So they were going in with the same sort of scheme that they jumped off the table. And I think their personnel defensively is much better this year. I think they have way more bodies. Apparently Daryl Taylor's looked pretty good in camp. That was one of the things I heard. Um, Alden Smith is a guy who's really flashed. Um, Akella Weatherspoon's a guy who's really flashing. I think he might be a better player than Shaquille Griffin, as crazy as that sounds. Um, so I think defensively, it's a pretty smooth transition. They have a lot of bodies there, a lot of returning players. And other than like Jaron Reed, not a lot of change. So to them, they sort of hit the ground running. Offensively, like when Nathan said, it was perfect. They, they shouldn't be trying things. And this isn't a situation where it would be likely they do hit the ground running because 
their offensive line is in and out every day. They don't have a left tackle right now. Their center's been banged up. They're trying stuff. So I think if they did hit the ground running, it would have been really surprising. I think there's a pretty big adjustment schematically. I think there's a pretty big adjustment for the kind of plays they want to run. They t- I read today and I heard today that Russell's been holding the ball a little too long today. That was an issue for him or fumbled snaps. So this is good. This is, they have to get this stuff out of the way. This is how you learn. This is how you practice. A lot of these schemes that teams take on, like when Kyle Shanahan got to places with Matt Ryan, it took almost a full year for team people to fully master these offenses. So it's going to take time and they're going to have to learn. And this is how the growing pains go. So I think it's yeah. still early, but if it gets, if this is like this for the next three weeks, yeah, it gets a little worrisome. Yeah, it's funny. Like, honestly, um, I don't think I'd even be concerned and excited, uh, excited about the defense or concerned about the offense after two preseason games. Um, I think my concern would start showing up after three or four regular season games from the offensive standpoint. Um, You know, obviously, you know, you don't want to see him struggle at all, but it took Brian Schottenheimer when he was here a while to figure out what are the throws that Russell likes to make and what are the throws that he doesn't. Um, and, and it, it'll take Russell some time to figure out how to make the plays that, you know, if Waldron really is, I mean, in, in the time that I have been at camp, there were definitely intermediate throws that were just not there. Um, at least the last year uh, in the Seahawks offense. And so Russell certainly is, is adjusting to that. He does have new targets and someone like Gerald Everett. And um, I, the bigger thing to me is like get Dwayne Brown into camp instead of having like stone Forsyth as your left tackle. And um, so I, I, it'll be a while before I'm concerned about the offense. I, I think, I think there's a lot of reason to feel pretty good about like foundationally, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, the tight ends, the running backs, the offensive line. There's enough talent there that and plays that they know how to do that. I'm just I'm not going to be too worried for a little while. Um, defensively, I'm actually I, I, I think it is good news, honestly, because the places that we're hearing these plays get made are secondary and and specifically the cornerback position. And what's one of the positions that we've had the biggest question mark about? It's been corner play. And um, the fact that regularly it is Kella Witherspoon who's making these tips and that Quandre Diggs is regularly getting interceptions. I think that's goodness. Like, I, I think that this team will benefit from having a defense that is not the worst historically, you know, in NFL history uh, as it was for the first half of the year. I think people some people actually have forgotten how bad the defense was to start last year. Um, it was really, really, really bad. And um, the fact that Ken Norton's still here, we haven't talked about like the fact that if you had said that Brian Schottenheimer after eight games, Brian Schottenheimer would be fired and like fire and brimstone people like pitchforks to get him out. And Ken Norton is still here. I think we would have all said, what in the hell are you talking about? Um, Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Don't you guys remember? We were all pounding the table. It's time to let Ken Norton go. P. Carroll holds on to people for sentimentality. Like, do you remember all of that? And man, he flipped that around on us quick as nothing. I still would have liked Ken Norton to be fired. <laughs> I'll be totally honest. I I just forgive it because they did make quite a turnaround in the second half of the year. Um, I, I'll I'll put it out there. I, I don't put it on the, the yes they played easier teams and easier quarterbacks. I, I saw a defense that was markedly better, um, regardless of who they were playing, because they played some bad teams in the first half and they still were horrible. So um, I do think the defense t- took a big step forward. Um, is there a name, um, uh, Jeff, that that has piqued your interest so far in camp? Um, and maybe it's one of the people that that you've heard about, um, or maybe it's just a report that you've seen that that's kind of uh, got your attention. Yeah, I'll, I'll say Robert Mdiche. I, I thought he was a guy. Kem D. I don't it right before. He was a guy who I didn't. I thought was maybe a flash in the pan. Maybe I heard not only is he probably going to make the team, he might start. And to me, that threw me off. I thought LJ Collier might start at that five 
big end position. I heard he's very much in the running to start. He's been that good in camp. And he's taken on the defense that much. So you might have a front with him, Al Woods, and Dunlap, and Puna Ford. And if he can play, that's a pretty interesting front with all those edge guys they have between Hyder and Smith, Mayoa, Taylor. That's a pretty interesting front that really has been the biggest weakness on this team in the last two years. So he's a guy I didn't know. If he, I thought he was a bubble player, but he is that far ahead right now. He's practicing ahead of all year. Well, he's certainly a better athlete. I mean, um, and he's got to only be like either the same age, maybe a year older, like, right. Like Nathan, I'm sure you're looking it up right now. Kim Diche was, was a first round pick as people know. Um, I'm so mad. You're not wrong. (laughs) He is a year older than how LJ Callier. How is, three years before possible wow just absurd yeah (laughs) i I mean look i'm not rooting against lj collier like any any players that want to step up and be great awesome but kem came in with an amazing athletic pedigree and basically was the 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 book on him was that he's got a two-bit you know you know, uh, brain in terms of uh, or attitude, maybe in terms of how he came out about being a professional and was out of the league for a full year. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and you guys all know if, if you can get someone that has that kind of athletic profile to actually like turn it on to actually know how to be a professional and have a work ethic and the Seahawks get to be the beneficiary, that would be huge. That would be huge. Um, Nathan, you you always help check me on like my hyperbole. Um, there was a there was a tweet the other day and it had which of these defensive lines is the best in the NFL and it was like eight different teams. And I looked and I was like, where's the Seahawks? The Seahawks aren't on that list. Do the Seahawks have a top ten defensive line? Do they have the potential to have a top ten defensive line in the NFL? Uh I mean, I, I think the thing that's hard about saying that they'll be that good um, is they don't have anyone that's near a top 10 player uh, on the line, right? Um, but, I mean, you know, Daryl Taylor is a complete wild card, and then you have a ton of depth, and you have someone like Alton Robinson who maybe is going to take a big step forward, right? Um, so, I, you know... If, if they end up there, I don't think it's going to be surprising. It's a little hard to say that they will be, though, um, just with, you know, especially their best player being, uh, you know, older, too. Like, there's no, nothing saying that Dunlap's going to play as well as he did last year. So, I, I don't know. It, it Very possible, but not, like, a lock. Yeah. I mean, Dana. Okay. Dana. If you want to make some guesses, you get the first, like, what do you think some of the top eight choices were for uh, best defensive line in the NFL? They only listed eight teams. Uh, Washington. Yep. That's Let's one. See. Um, I would assume, I mean, the Rams. Yep. That's two. Um, let's see. Who Where's your favorite just defensive the line? end playing these days, Dana? My favorite defensive end? Yeah. Oh, no. Who's my favorite defensive end? <laughs> um, the Browns was Clowney now. They added Clowney to the mix. They're, they got to be a top 10, right? Why? Why do you do these things to me, Nate? <laughs> why do you say crap like that? I was literally thinking, who's my favorite Not wrong, though, right? That's up there. They're up there, right? They were not among the list. No, yeah. really. Uh-huh. They were not. No, because we're not. just talking about the lines, not the whole defense, right? Defensive it's line, so, just the defensive line. Yeah. Nathan, line. Jeff, you guys want to throw some out there? Let me think for a second. Colts, maybe? I mean, Tampa Bay would be there. Tampa Bay is one of Tampa them. Tampa has got to be mm-hmm. up there. Tampa, Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Are the Packers up there with the Smith nope. brothers? No. Mm-hmm. Go for two, Ernst. Come on, dude. Got I'll the give Niners, you a right. Niners, gotta be the Niners. Niners are not yeah. in there. 
Uh, not for the line. It's hard to differentiate the line from the rest of the defense. I mean, if you're thinking of just good defenses, but let me see who else would be up said, there. The you Colts? said an NFC or uh, AFC North team. There is an AFC North team, but it wasn't the Browns. Steelers. Steelers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they didn't throw the Chiefs in there, did they? They did not. Okay, good. They aren't going to play this year. There's, there's one that's going to be really hard to get because the team's not going to be very good this year. They lost their quarterback. The Colts? The Saints. Oh, they're going to suck this year. Yeah, yeah. So the other the others, I'll, I'll, I'll end your suffering. So uh, the Eagles yeah, and the yeah. Bears and the Jets. Bears. The ba- well, Khalil Mack, and then you have Brandon Graham over on the Eagles. Yeah, I can wow. – hmm. So, like, here's the thing. Uh, I'm leaning in on the defensive line for the Seahawks. I, I get I, – I 100% agree that they do not have a blue chip. Like, they don't have a single blue chip player. Um, I'm not even sure that they have someone who clearly has blue chip upside. Um, we don't know what we have in Daryl Taylor yet. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Puna Ford, like, continues to take – he took a pretty big jump last year. Maybe he gets there, but I think that's stretching things. Yeah, I don't think. But what I love about this group is like wave after wave after wave. There's no drop off. Like Mm -hmm. the difference between Alden Smith and Carlos Dunlap, I'm not sure that there's a huge difference. And like, much to Derek's chagrin, I don't know that like Benson Mayo is like a huge (laughs) drop off from you know the other guys on this list. And then you've got, I mean, Alden Robinson. I'm expecting that we are going to have a show where we are furious that Alden Robinson can't get any snaps this year. He's young. He's talented. He was great last year. Why isn't he getting snaps? But yet there's going to be other guys that are being really productive. I think Kerry Hyder, like guy Mm -hmm. after guy, like I think there's really good talent here. What are you guys smiling about? You're anti-Kerry Hyder? No, I like Kerry Last year's podcast. (laughs) Now tell me about how it's going to be the best secondary in the league. And we'll be not going to 2020. I'm not going that far, but, but look, the, why the, the reason I think that this is different, the, the secondary last year, we were talking about the starters, essentially. Mm-hmm. We were talking about Shaquille Griffin, Quentin, uh, right. What's his last Dunbar. name? Dunbar. Um, Diggs and Adams. Like those were the like frontline people, but we didn't necessarily. And then uh, Marquise Blair, like we didn't know there wasn't a lot of depth that we were pointing to. And when things went bad, which they did, there was nobody to really step in for Quentin Dunbar and play good, good corner on the outside here. Like you could be wrong three different times at the end spot or lose three different people, knock on wood and still potentially put out a quality, a quality player in that role. So like, I I really, I love, love, this is what I was hoping they would have done last year. Um, I almost think like it's going to be hard for them to not have a good defensive line this year. Like I think people would have to have below career years, like below their average career years for, for that defensive line to do that. Um, yeah. Well, I was going to say, say something? Something? no, I was going to say one thing um, I talked a lot about on the other podcast I was on this week is constantly over and over. When you talk about Seattle defense, obviously the Legion of boom is brought up constantly over and over and over again. And I think as Seattle fans, we that was the expectation for a long long time but we always have to remind ourselves and remind other people is that was a historic legendary lightning in a bottle defense that's not going to happen again and so if that's the expectation people are looking for they're always going to be disappointed but if you just look at this these guys especially on the line they equal more than the sum of their part you know it's it's not the same we're not saying you know the way they go together and the depth that they have depth was one of the most important things to the whole entire defense during those Super Bowl runs. And so being able to move people out. So I think that they're getting back there, but we will never be to that level. And people just need to get over that. They just need to get over it and, and just realize that this defense was really bad for a couple of the last couple of years and that they are starting to finally click and put those pieces back together. That's a really good point. And, and Nathan, I mean, (laughs) <laughs> when it went wrong last year, it went really wrong, right? Like the, the defensive line, they, they really put all their, their chips in the Jadavian Clowney bucket. Then they didn't get him. And then they were like scrounging around and, and then Bruce Irvin got hurt in the second game. And 
And like, so the defense did not have a good pass rush at all to begin the year. And then the corners were awful. So the secondary, the coverage was bad. Is there the potential this year for the opposite to happen, for there to actually be better corner play, better secondary play that actually helps the defensive line get home, better defensive line play that actually creates more pass rush that actually makes the secondary better, and they didn't play in front of a crowd once last mm-hmm. year. Like, all those things combined, is there – I mean, you know, how, 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 how much upside is there, I guess? to 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 this like what 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 could this defense look like if things really click i mean there's tons of upside you know it if they're older players which i guess is is mostly just kind of bobby at this point uh you know if he continues to play he, the way he's played the last couple of years which has not been the best form of his but still a very very good player uh and you know brooks takes a step forward dj reed is the guy that we saw in the second half of the year um kello is able to you know put it all together for a full year and it you know has you know a consistent year and all that you know maybe daryl taylor alton robinson someone takes a step puna has more upside to him brian monet has more upside to him um jamal adams can play better than he did last year so like if it all hits there's a ton of potential here um the it'll likely end somewhere in between mm-hmm. um but there are a lot of wild cards here that you can kind of realistically expect to at least get a little bit better than where they were last year and if where they are at the end of where they were at the end of last year is any indication right they could actually be a pretty good defense we haven't really talked about jordan brooks yeah He's maybe one of their more interesting defensive players in the whole roster. How much, what can he be for this defense? I mean, what are you picturing for Jordan Brooks? Like we've seen KJ in the, in the will position and we kind of know it. Is he going to be different than KJ? Is he going to do things better than KJ worse in some way? Like where, what are you guys expecting from Jordan Brooks? So he will not be as smart or as savvy as KJ. KJ is one of the best I've ever seen instinctual stuff sniffing out plays reading defenses i don't think to ask many players to do that i think but i think as kj got older and not last year he was never great at he like he he wasn't an elite coverage player at times and he was starting to slow down just sideline to sideline and both of those things i think are areas where brooks can really make a difference because bobby's doesn't have the speed he once has i think brooks is a very fast player and I think he showed a lot of instincts and in coverage, and apparently it's transitioned into camp so far, where he could be a very good coverage linebacker, which is basically the opposite of what he was deemed coming out of the draft. Yeah, I mean, where is that going to show up, Dana? I mean, is, is he going to be just a, a guy piling up tackles? Is he going to be a turn? Is he going to be a guy that creates turnovers? I mean, do you have an expectation there? You know, I don't have a huge expectation, and I think that's because it's a little unknown how they'll use him still. And I, I want to say this about KJ really quick. KJ posted that video. I don't know if you guys saw it. Freaking broke my heart that he he was just like, well, I don't understand why I'm not on a team. And I get it because I thought KJ had a really good year last year. I thought Dang. last year he looked really great. He is slower and Bobby is slower. And I think that that's where Brooks's speed will come in in his youth. That's just a youth thing, right? Um, but it just kind of depends on where they decide to focus him at. I don't think Bobby is quite the turnover machine that he used to be. So do they use Brooks in that capacity? Maybe, maybe that's where they need him. Um, I'm still not convinced they don't bring KJ back though. I'm still not convinced that that won't happen at some point. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying if they did, I wouldn't be like shocked by it in any way. It just kind of depends, I think, on how those first two preseason games, and we have to remember there's only what, three preseason games this year. So- but where would they play yeah. him? I mean, you'd basically. No, I know. I, I know. I know. That's the thing. Like, KJ. Like you have to sit somebody. Yeah. No, you don't. But you can't sign KJ to be a backup. Like, that can. Mean... That's, that's the thing. Like, I, I have a guess why KJ's not on the team. It's because he doesn't like the role of the contracts he's being offered, right? Like, I, think, it's hard I agree. For me to yeah, it's hard for me to believe that he has no offers out there. KJ could come back to Seattle tomorrow i think uh, if he wanted right i'm mm-hmm. sure there's a contract that schneider and carol would be happy to to slide across the table to him right it's just what does he want 
I I see. And is it? Yeah, I think they've player. turned the page. I think they've turned the page. I don't think. I don't think that it is good roster management. Not that the Seahawks always have perfect roster management, but <laughs> I don't think most GMs would necessarily want a veteran backup player. Like the backup roles should be younger players that you're developing and and getting snaps. Like other than at quarterback, um, you know, or maybe like offensive line at a specific you know specific position, but like you really are like cutting Ben Burkirvan or Cody Barton or, you know, um, taking snaps from Daryl Taylor or cutting Alden mm-hmm. Smith. Like, I just can't. But isn't that it? Those... We don't know that Alden Smith's going to play, right? We don't We don't. Know. We don't. Yeah. But do we really think that this team wouldn't be better with or, like BBK? Really? Like that's, the thing that we can't give up on i don't i mean the special team stuff is real it's really that's that's very real so that's a consideration but like you're really telling me that Schneider's like ah oh, kj we'd love to but you know we got this ben Burkirvan kid and uh he's pretty small <laughs> i know that sounds crazy he's kind of teeny but, yeah. but how many snaps did ben Burkirvan play in last year like none on defense and maybe like five or something. And he played a lot of special teams and it's like the six wide receiver role. Like, do you really want Terrell Owens to be your six wide receiver and not play any snaps on offense and then not play any snaps in special teams? Like you do need those guys, like backup linebackers have to be able to play special teams, period. Like they have to. Um, And KJ is not going to play special teams at this point in his career. So I mean, whatever. I, I, I'm I'm kind of beating a dead horse. If they sign him, I won't be upset. I think it'll be a head scratcher. I think that's it, right? It's like no one's gonna be mad if they. No one will be surprised or mad if they bring him back. But no one's gonna die if they don't, right? No, no. I mean, I mean, I, I think the Jordan Brooks thing is really interesting. I, I I'm excited that I, I'm excited about any player that we don't know what exactly to expect from. Like he, we know that he's got a baseline he established last year of being a very solid will linebacker. Like, I don't think he was great, but he certainly wasn't bad. And now he's gotten bigger, faster, stronger, and more experienced. Reasonable expect that he's going to take a big jump. And I don't think we know what that's going to mean for this defense um, until we see it in action. So that's pretty cool. Nathan, were you going to say something? You look like you were thinking through something. Okay. He's always Um, thinking through something. Uh, yeah. So, um, what are we thinking about the news about Mr. First pick of the draft this year? Um, Mr. Eskridge, uh, the, the news today was that, uh, for people that haven't been following, he started the camp on PUP physically unable to perform, which means he has not practiced, which means that if they keep him on that list, he could start the season for the first six games, not playing similar to Colby Parkinson last year. Um, the news today was they found something for his shoe that he was able to run and not feel any pain. And <coughs> excuse me, I should have muted. Bless you. <laughs> um, he, he was able to, to run without any pain and now they just got to up his conditioning. So the general take from media was okay. So Eskridge is on his way back. Is that your take, Jeff? I think it's still wait and see just because of how finicky that injury is. But I'll say this the other day, there was a lot of reaction to a tweet that just summarized Pete's comment on Eskridge. It seemed really gloomy and really hopeless. And I, when I read it, I said, okay, this guy might not play this year. This might be, I went back and watched the press conference and I think everyone needs to do this. I know Evan does this a lot. We'll see something online. Like Cody Barton's going to play a lot and freak out. When he was just talking about that. <laughs> Who are you talking about? Evan doesn't would never. Well, I mean, people do this a lot. They'll see like a Bob Condota tweet and they'll, and like they'll, the words are right. But like I went back and I listened to Pete talk about Eskridge the other day. And I had a completely different reaction when I read the thing online. Pete was more saying that he's making progress and he actually ran pretty well. And then I saw Brady Henderson tweet out the same thing. So when I went back and I'm like, okay, maybe the situation is a little better 
than what that tweet looked like. Because that tweet looked horrifying. That tweet looked like he was potentially going to miss the season. So I think there is progress being made in the fact that he's been able to run last two days. That's that's good news. I don't obviously again with toes and with feet. You don't want to rush it. You don't want to push it too much. You don't know, and you obviously should be worried. But I do think the situation is a little better than what it seemed like when that tweet first came out. Nathan, I don't know, dude. I, I I hear that you're wearing a special whatever in your shoe. Um, and to me, that it, it sounds like management of an injury. It does not seem like the injury is going away anytime soon. And so for me, a, a receiver who is his game is built on speed. I'm still like, my expectations are super low um, for, for this kid, even if he does come back. Um, I mean, where are you on this? Uh, almost the exact same spot, basically. I mean, I, I'm not a doctor at all. I have no information on what's going on with Eskridge other than he's got a hurdy foot. So like, <laughs> I, I'm definitely like, complete you know uh amateur here just guessing but oh, we all know like in, in the dana dana actually does so yeah, you can dana, talk to him. Knows. dana knows all the details medical professional all right well i'll sync <laughs> up with dana later but for now my my take is i i just something i just don't like the idea that like well we were able to like put a bunch of cotton into his shoe and now it doesn't hurt anymore or something like is it is he got it ronald mcdonald feet yeah it's like let's let's imagine the shoe he's got this one just massive felt shoe like yeah, yeah. or so i don't and then like okay great it doesn't hurt when he runs but if he's out there and somebody steps on it or he's like you know i mean it's a contact sport so like for me the idea of not having him this year sucks so much, right? That would be such a bummer. But like, this is also a guy that, you know, is, is a rookie and you're hoping you have him around for several years, right? At least the next three after this one. Um, so my take is worry less about putting a fancy shoe on him and, and making it so it doesn't hurt anymore. And, you know, actually just focus on getting the foot right and the long-term health of it. Dana, I'm going to keep banging this drum because look around the league. I don't know if you guys are noticing there are big name veterans that are starting to sign like Justin Houston signs with the team and Gerald McCoy is taking visits. doesn't mean these are the best players around, but like uh, Melvin Ingram signed last week, right? Like some like quality veteran names, KJ Wright's still out there. We know Richard Sherman's still out there. You know, Golden Tate's still out there to me. Like, the Seahawks need to sign a veteran at this point in camp. Like there's not another receiver that stepped forward and you're like, okay, this guy is taking over every day. He's showing up in, in camp as a great player. I, I don't think they can keep hedging here. I think they need to go get the best possible veteran receiver to come in. They can cut him if it doesn't work out, but like, I don't understand. I, I don't understand how they can be this comfortable with this receiver group. So let me tell you a little story that um, the Bills podcast I was on this week, we were having conversations about the Seahawks and all of the NFC West. And, and he asked, you know, you know, where people thought the Seattle might need to go pick someone up. I mentioned that a lot of people think that they needed to add a veteran wide receiver. And he laughed. The perception outside is Seattle's receiving core is golden. They have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. You don't need anybody else. He was baffled by that. Anyone would even be worried about that because then you just need a third guy to come in every once in a while. And so I think sometimes Seahawks fans kind of get kind of caught up in the, what's the first disaster that's going to happen because that often happens to us. So while I agree with you, I don't know that I agree about Golden Tate and I know you want Golden Tate to come back. Um, and I wouldn't hate that, but I, it wouldn't really be my first pick. But um, the perception outside of the fan bubble is that Seattle has, that is the least of their worries, is the wide receiver. But on that tune, it can't hurt, right? Like, are we seeing any other, because I have worked the last few days, and so I haven't been able to watch camp, but are there any other wide receivers that are standing out that would be good enough that you don't have to add to that, that grouping? So this or is would hurt. it be worth? This is gonna hurt. Oh, go ahead, please. Yeah. 
But I think the team likes Freddie Swain and Penny Hart. They do. <laughs> I think the team does. I think it's going to hurt. I think I would, I agree with Brian. I would like to see them bring in upgrades, but I think they like those guys. I think they can, they think Penny Hart can do what Eskridge can do in a pinch. Mm-hmm. And I don't I know if I agree, but that's my read on it. Those people that are not close to Seahawks, I think I, I completely discount their perspectives. Like, <laughs> to say to say that Shane Waldron's <laughs> to say that Shane Waldron's offense does not need a third receiver. It's also wild they have for third receivers. It's wild for a fan of a team with Stefan Diggs, uh, John Brown, and Cole Beasley to be, huh? Who needs a third receiver? Like, <laughs> well, your third no, receiver and it's, has it wasn't gotten... just him. It's other people that think that too. They just they they see DK and Tyler, and they think that that it's such a a good group. And I think that that's. You know, kudos to DK and, and Tyler for that. I'm not saying that they don't need a vet wide receiver. I think it would be great. I think, you know, having someone that can come down and or come in during special plays or what have you. Um, but I just don't see it as a team priority because they see what others see and they have the golden boy and, you know, the monster in the end zone. So I, mean, the thing that- I think, I think at Brian's right. <laughs> Most fans don't understand the intricacies of other teams that they don't know. Like Brian beat that guy the other day who said the Arizona Cardinals have the best long-term setup of any team. Like that was the, that was one of the stupidest comments I've seen. On so weird. Stupid. Like I don't think teams understand other teams very well. Or fans Lockett's a little deceptive, right? Because I think if he had just mm-hmm. played, you know, all out the last two years, I think it would be less of a concern for Seahawks fans. But the fact that he's really tailed off in the second half of season, the past two that seasons. Hurt. Both of the seasons, right? Like, yeah, didn't yeah, he miss yeah. time both years? Yeah. No, that's the thing is he's never actually missed games, I don't think. But Except for when he broke his leg. Sure. He, he missed that one. And then I think he did miss some the I next season, too. I thought he missed some two two years ago. I thought he missed even a game last year, but maybe I'm wrong. I know I know. two years ago he did. I could have sworn he missed, like, anyway, whatever. Like, yeah. you're right, Nathan. I mean, if, 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 if Tyler – if if he gets hurt or has to miss time, I mean, like, like, Ooh, um, I, I'm going to tell you guys some of the other options out there. I'm shocked that this hasn't come up in chat elsewhere on Seahawks Twitter, because this was the most popular name in all of Seahawks Twitter last year. And I think mm-hmm. people just got don't. exhausted. Oh, no. don't, don't Josh Gordon. Yeah. Josh oh, Gordon. No. That's not who I thought you were going to say. Okay. Go. <laughs> who do you think I was going to say? No, maybe Antonio. Oh God, he's already gone. You don't have to worry about that. Thank God. But Josh Gordon, there was news that he was uh, appealing to get reinstated again. Um, You know, that's another name that could be out there. Other guys, uh, (laughs) Julian Edelman's retired, right? Uh, Danny Amendola, um, Dwayne Harris, Des Bryant. Tavon Austin, <laughs> Evan has some infatuation. Remember that one? What's that? You remember when Evan freaked out because Tavon Austin signed last year with something? I know. He hasn't know. like done anything in like nine years. DeAnthony <laughs> Thomas. I mean, there's really like the reason people think I'm obsessed with Golden Tate. Now I happen to like Golden for a bunch of reasons, but um, I also just think he's a hand and glove fit for what they need like and he's he's a sure bet he was anyway so i'm gonna keep banging that drum because to me it is an obvious obvious pick and when i sent out they should sign uh, golden tate i he, he was one of the first people to like the tweet so i know uh i know he wants to come back <laughs> so um uh <laughs> if people in the chat are talking about ursua i mean folks like he's collecting retirement paycheck already. Like the guy is like Pete Carroll's daddy. Like it, 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 I don't, I don't know that we should expect anything from John Ursua. Um, he's so old, but um, yeah, it would be. Maybe great we can see. figure out a way to talk the Colts into trading for Geno Smith, and we get a wide receiver from them. <laughs> oh my God, let's talk about that for a second. The Colts' first first opponent for the Seahawks. Uh, Carson Wentz surgery out for five to 12 weeks. And then Quentin Nelson, one of their great offensive linemen, similar situation. Um, It's looking like there's a decent chance the Seahawks will face Jacob Eason 
in week one. And that game is where? There. In Indy. It's in Indy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I do get a little kick out of the fact that, like, when the schedules came out, Indy, like, all the Indy fans were like, well, we're going to start 1-0. and Like, they were just <laughs> counting that as a victory. Like, I was like, really? Have you seen uh, Carson Wentz play the Seahawks? <laughs> like, really? Uh, I mean... How how are you guys feeling about like do we have any of you done any more research about how likely it is that Carson Wentz is going to miss that game? So I did. I, I have I have read I read a little bit more about it today. So apparently they're under the impression that he's going to fight back and be ready week one, and I just don't see them doing that. I I think that with those feet injuries, you like Nathan was talking about with Eskridge, you have to be so careful with them because they hurt him again. They're done. You know, there's only so many times you can repair them. And so it'll be interesting to see how um, careful they are of him. Maybe they won't be so careful with their tackle that that they, you know, got. But with Carson, I bet it's at least a week or two uh, um, into the regular season before we see him. So then the conversation turned Two, would it be smart for them to go after and trade for a medium level Jimmy Garoppolo-esque quarterback, but then you, what if he comes in and kills it and then you have Carson Wentz sitting there, or is it smarter to like get a, go get Blake Bortles and be done with it at that point? So, you know, I, I think that, I think after a couple of weeks of the rehab, I think they'll probably have, from the, what I was reading, they'll have a better idea of how quickly he'll come back. And if it's the full 12 weeks, guys, that's like Halloween. I mean, that's a ways out. And so they'll, they'll have to kind of rethink their season at that point. And it's not just those guys. They signed, Their left tackle retired, Anthony Costanzo. Mm-hmm. And they signed Eric Fisher, who tore his Achilles in the playoffs. Yeah, so he's they not were, ready. I remember when the schedule came out, I circled this. That was a great time to play the Colts because they were going to be without their left tackle. Mm-hmm. Now they're without their left tackle in the best guard in football. Mm-hmm. And their quarterback, most likely. I don't think they'll make it. I think it's very optimistic for them to get back in five weeks for that because what's his whole game? Like he needs to be mobile. If he can't move, he's pretty useless out there. Like we know what kind of pocket presence he has. He needs that aspect to his game. And the Colts regime is in a really comfortable place where they don't need to like win necessarily this year. They're really comfortable there. They, I don't think they're going to rush guys back for week one. You know, they invested a ton in Carson Wentz and, they're, they, they've had this quarterback issue since Andrew Luck retired. So I would be stunned if either Wentz or Nelson played week one. What do you guys think? Uh, what do you guys – I'm sure you're following a little bit the uh, 49ers quarterback uh, news. Um, Nathan, have, have you been following – like the, the media cover, the San Francisco beat reporter coverage has been pretty entertaining. Um, do you have uh, a point of view on how that – competition is evolving i mean i've only heard bits and pieces mostly that lance looks pretty good and that garoppolo looks like garoppolo so i mean <laughs> uh i you know just if if i take off my seahawks hat and pretend i don't see the niners logo and stuff i think you know the funnest thing is obviously for lance to play the whole year and get it get some run on it but uh i don't know rookie quarterbacks it's always tough so we'll see Dana, anything that you're hearing? Or, or, or <laughs> well, other than Evan having a complete meltdown after one nice pass from Lance, he's like, oh my God, we're screwed. Like he had a, a, an Evan meltdown, which no one would be surprised about. Um, So here was the funniest quote I heard this week out of camp was the head coach. Everyone is like, oh, there's no quarterback competition. There isn't, you know, Garoppolo is our starter. You know, there's no, we're not having a camp competition over and over and over again. And then one of their defensive players comes out and, or one of the wide receivers comes out and it was like, oh, I don't ever even know who's throwing to me. It's, you know, it's just the quarterback that's out there. Yeah, that's because that's a competition and they keep rotating them. So that's why you don't know. So I think that it's, the, the writing is there. If, if Lance can manage to play I even even respectably in, in preseason, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to see game day. He's just not. It would be illogical for them to have that. Now, will they want to keep him around because you know they have so much luck with injury? Maybe I, I I would assume so, but I don't know that Jimmy Garoppolo would be okay with that. Um, so I I think it's interesting that 
that they keep insisting that this is not an issue when it is the only issue that they have. And it's the only thing, you know, that was keeping them from having more successful season is their quarterback situation. And so um, I think to just kind of dismiss that is kind of silly on their part. It's just good PR. Yeah. I do wonder with the 49ers. um, I I just wonder if their defense is, is not uh, like if if there's a little bit of, echoes from a few years ago um you know nick bosa was hurt last year he's obviously great um uh as a player at least um (laughs) and and who is the other the guy from kansas city that i'm forgetting the edge rusher that also missed last year um d ford d ford Mm -hmm. um so that those are two big players but but i think they've got red warner yeah i mean no doubt but they lost Robert Sala as their defensive coordinator. I think that there's some question marks on that defense and that defensive line actually was not great last year. And Kerry Hyder was one of the best players on that defensive line last year. And he's left it. If, if, if Ford and, and Bosa come back and they play all the games and they're solid, then I think they're in a decent spot. If they don't, I'm not sure that the 49ers defense is quite as great as I think um folks are are remembering it to be um so i i don't know i i have some questions i, I actually think one of the strengths of that 49ers team is the receiver group like mm-hmm. like yeah. it's kind of like a quietly tough receiver room um mm-hmm. and and we'll see how that that plays out um what else jeff did we talk about all the players that you heard uh inside scoops on that, that we should uh, mention here well, the other ones are pretty obvious. Like I, I heard Damian Lewis is a guy that just like has taken the second year job. Uh, but we need to see it in games. Offensive line is the hardest thing to evaluate. They had him pads on, I think, one day and he had one one on one day. So I'm very eager to see how he does from a purely pass protection standpoint this year because he was like a top ten run blocker in the NFL last year, but a very bad pass protector statistically. So that's a really interesting area because if you can have him and Gabe Jackson, who's apparently looked the part as well, that would be a real strength for them up front. But everything, uh, we've covered pretty much every position on the team. Receiver, Gerald Everett, we talked about a lot last week. I think he's really mm-hmm. flashing camp. But no, I think most of the names you'd be familiar with, MDJ was the one that threw me out. I didn't think he was going to be a potential starter. And it sounds like we kind of know who the corners are going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did like on, it was um, Seahawks.com. They did the five takeaways or six takeaways that they do every day. And the one of them today was don't sleep on Trey Flowers. And I, I found that interesting because of all the praise that the other guys were getting from that position group. And then they popped him in there too. And it's like, does that mean that we're going to have some depth? And is there going to be... Like, is that not a position we need to worry about? That was really intriguing to me today. But then I remembered it was Seahawks.com. And so they could <laughs> just say right. things like that. But I've heard I've heard good things. I think that that's exciting. Uh, that, that won't surprise me. I mean, I, I said that last week's show. I, I think Trey Flowers stepped up considerably in the second half of last season. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like he he to me is depth. I don't think. I'd rather him not be the starter, but he's a guy that I'd feel comfortable coming off the the bench and getting snaps if need be. So um, last question. Um, So this weekend is the mock game. I don't know if they're going to televise it or not. Um, I don't think they will. Uh, And then a week, a week later is the first preseason game. Like we're just about a week away. Who is the player that you're most eager to watch in the first preseason game? And uh, Nathan, I'm going to start with you. Um, DK, I think I'm always just most excited to watch TK. So you, no matter what game, no matter what Seahawks game you ask this for, I think my answer is just going to be TK. I think that's a pretty good answer. Uh, Dana, how about you? Well, have we heard anything about the rookie Stone Forsyth? Have we heard yeah. how he's been doing? I, I, I'd like to see. I'm sorry, what, Jeff? Well, he's been the left tackle in camp because yeah. Dwayne hasn't practiced it. Okay. Um, 
I, I just hadn't seen his name come up too often. I'm interested. There were a lot of people really excited about him coming to Seattle. So I'm interested to see if he can live up to that hype a little bit. Jeff? Uh, Daryl Taylor. I've never seen him play. <clears throat> so yeah. I just I don't want to form an opinion on what he looks like. I've seen college film, but I've never seen him play an NFL game. So curious to see what he, kind of player he is. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's all about the cornerbacks. I, I just uh, – I think that's the key area where the Seahawks need to get a little fortunate for them to have, like – true contention um aspirations like it's one thing if they have decent corners but for them to be like contenders they need to have above average cornerback play and um i think there's a potential that they could but it's huge question marks from the very top of that part of the roster all the way to the bottom i don't think we know what we have there so I'm really curious. It's it's hard to it's hard to really assess corners when they're going against uh, backup quarterbacks and you know whatever. And it's the Raiders. <laughs> right. No, but, I, you know what though? Uh, the reports at a training camp today is that there was an argument between the beat reporters. One of them said Brian Edwards looks like Terrell Owens, and the other one said no, he looks like Randy Moss to me. So the corners are going to get a hell of a test. Uh, in that first preseason. Oh my What's god. That? Are we playing the Raiders game one? Yep. I think so. Yep. Oh, I do have to ask one more question. I'm sorry, guys. Uh Colby Parkinson has had a strong week. Uh uh had a few touchdowns, uh, a lot of talk. Um any of you think that he people are saying like they don't know where he's going to get reps. Seahawks have generally always found reps for a third tight end. So, I mean, my first question, I guess my main question is, what are you expecting from Colby Parkinson this year? Um, Jeff, why don't we start with you? I think he's a really intriguing player, but I think he's going to be more situational. I think with his height and his size and his catch radius, I think he's a great guy to incorporate in red zone stuff. Uh, Within the 20s, I think he'll be a situational player in the playoff than last year and it's hard to know. I think Nathan said this the other day, but it's hard to know what to expect from Will Disley anymore. So I think some people still get excited about him, but I don't know what he can do. Any like I know Russell's worked out with him a lot. They're a really reliable player, but if he can't run anymore, then there's going to be an opportunity for Parkinson to be the number two tight end. So I think it will start off situational, but I think it's a great thing to have in your back pocket. A lot better than Jacob Hollister. Dana, how about you? Yeah, I agree. I, I seem to, he seems to be a little more more dynamic um, than than Hollister for sure. And and I agree with uh, Will Disley. To be honest with you, I was a little surprised he was still around. Um, but then you hear all these people constantly talking about, oh, Will Disley, he's so great. Well, first of all, he pissed me off about the whole soccer thing, but we all know about that. And so, but other than that, I I don't really understand the hype of around him. But like you said, he was at what Russ's little camp that he had and he kept getting rave reviews from that. So we'll see. But so I think that it's just going to depend if Disley goes down with an injury again, I think Parkinson will have a great moment to shine at that point. But I think for now, he'll just be more of a situational type player. Yeah. I mean, Nathan, last year, Jacob Hollister got plenty of snaps. You had um, uh, Greg Olson and you had Will Disley three tight ends. I mean, they, they found snaps for all of them. Um, I, I'm assuming Parkinson is going to be the third tight end and get the fewest of those three. Is that your expectation? I, I don't have any expectation right now because like, like Jeff said, you know, I was, I was talking about them on Twitter the other day that made some people really mad, but like Disley, I think was back for the entire year last year. Right. And like, there's still a chance he's healing and get stuff back, but like, he wasn't a very good player last year. Um, and, but you know, the flip side of that is that Parkinson's a complete unknown. So like, yes, I think that there will be, well, and, and, and then the other thing is Waldron's, you know, new here, right. This isn't the same offense that shoddy ran last year. So I, I don't know who, the Rams third tight end was last year and how many targets he was getting. So I really don't know what to think, but I don't think it's at all out of the question that if Parkinson's playing as well as the reports are, 
that he doesn't leapfrog uh, Disley. There, there, there should be no reason that Disley is like locked in as tight end two. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's fair. I, <laughs> you won't like the reason, but I, I, I don't think that's a possibility because of the blocking. Um, Disley's, you know, one of the stronger blockers of of the group, that's and Parkinson. Fair. One of the things that Pete's even mentioned is, you know, Parkinson had put on some weight, which they needed to strengthen up. And he's been working on his blocking, but it sounded still like it was a work in progress. Jacob Hollister was not a great blocker, but they found ways for him to, to play. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the main thing that would be holding them back. I'm, I think I'm higher on Disley than maybe some of you guys are. I, I, I do feel like last year was like a, an injury recovery year. And, um, you know, I'm hopeful that he is, he is, uh, back to his former self, um, after that, but, but we'll see. So it's, it's good. I mean, they've, they've got depth there for sure. So, uh, folks, um, last week we mentioned that, uh, we were able to donate $40,000 to charity because of all of you and your contributions and, and, uh, being part of the, the Hawk blogger and real Hawk talk community. Um, Now's a great time to, to be part of this year. Uh, Patreon.com slash HawkBlogger. We talked about the Ring of Honor. Um, there's still spots available for that where we're going to get together with folks in person um, with the Real Hawk Talk crew. Dana's even thinking about flying out. Evan had come out. So um, somebody joined Ring of Honor last week. Um, they prefer to remain anonymous, but uh, it was great to see. And that's going to help uh, a family um, who's got a child with uh, autism. So um, that's just fantastic. So if you haven't already, join up at patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Um, you'll get instant access to our Slack community, which is constantly buzzing um, with, with good info. Um, please join. If you haven't already, click the like button, click subscribe, um, click the little bell to get notified when we go live. Who knows? Maybe the Seahawks are going to trade for Jadavian Clowney, uh, you know, uh, again, it could happen and we'd have to go live to talk about it. Dana would be the first person there to do it. But until then, um, it's been great seeing you all this week and uh, looking forward to seeing you all next week. Wednesdays, every Wednesday, eight o'clock. The drumbeat has started. Um, Real Hawk Talks back and uh, happy to see all of you. Have a great rest of your evening. Go Hawks.